Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow brings. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. James 4 and verse 16 starts calling out something in our lives that may or may not be present. I don't know your heart. But verse 16 says, there's a certain way of living. And James would say, as it is, you, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to him it is sin. So the issue that we're going to talk about today isn't just an issue of like, well, we just need to step up and try a little harder and be better people. James frames this as an issue of sin and arrogance. It's no small words. What's What could be going on in my heart, what could be going on in your heart, may be an issue of pride or arrogance. What could be going on in our heart could be telling us that something needs to change in us. And there's a backdrop to arrogance, so I think we need to know the backdrop because in our culture today, you'll be able to watch this afternoon as someone scores And what will be celebrated is pride in themselves as they tell everybody they're the ones who did it. And so our culture just celebrates pride, whether it's sports or entertainment. But God does not. As a matter of fact, the Bible says God opposes the proud in James chapter 4 and verse 6. So God sets himself up as the opposite team. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, James 4 says. Humble yourselves before the Lord. So we're told to humble ourselves, which tells us if we're prideful, that's not just like a, oh, that's just the way we are. That's something on the opposite team of who God is. The whole book of James is serious, isn't it? And this is no exception. So what this passage is talking about a lot is presumption, presuming things, and James calls that arrogance. Do I presume at any moment is Has there been any moment in the last week, month, year where I presumed, like I have the world at my fingertips, it's all at my control? Do I think my life is totally my own and I don't need anything from anyone to get anything I want? Do I think that way? Do I live that way? Is there some amount of presumption that has crept in? So kind of going back to the beginning where Trudy read in verse 13, James says, would you come? Can can we... Can we talk? I mean, that's James' invitation to listen here. Come now. If, if you're saying, and, and let's just walk through these words. If you're saying things like this, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and we'll spend a year there. We'll trade. We'll make a profit. James says, yet you, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. 
It seems rather harmless to make plans, but what's really going on in the heart? What perspective do you have on what will happen next with your life? That's a question I want to ask. What perspective do you have on what will happen next with your life? Are you presumptuous in any way? I'm in the verses like, the verb there is we will go. So here's imagine, imagine me, imagine yourself. Then here's my plan. Here's my calendar. This is what we're doing. Neither if I want to leave today or tomorrow, I'll leave today or tomorrow and nothing can stop me. We will go. And we'll go to this town or that town, wherever we want to go and nothing can stop us. We'll go where we want to go. And we'll spend a year there. Or if we want to spend six months there. Or if we want to spend 18 months there. Nothing can stop us. And, and we'll go and trade. We'll, we'll have some activity, some work we'll do. And nothing, nothing can stop us. And we'll make profit. It'll be successful. Whatever I want to do, I will make it happen. I'll guarantee it can happen. And nothing can stop us. When you reframe a sentence like that, it just tells you where the pride and presumption is. No consideration that there might be outside factors that you do not control that may drastically affect your timing, your travel, your activity, your success? Is there any thought that God orders the world and he plays a role in every event of your life? Is there any consideration that God sustains your life that I don't, I don't exhale or inhale without God sustaining yet another second, yet another second? Yet another second. So when we just kind of have our plans and we're going to work our plans and act like God doesn't direct much of anything in my life, I direct it all. I think it should point us to some questions. So uh, a couple questions here that I've been thinking a lot about. One is, do I, do I think, and this is a question I'd love for you to ask yourself, do I think I can guarantee success? So whatever that is to you, do you think you can guarantee success because of your knowledge, because of my knowledge of all factors and conditions. So you're making plans, you're making plans for retirement, maybe making plans for a move or a promotion, making plans for graduation and college and what's beyond college. And Do I think I can guarantee success because I, I just know all the factors and conditions I need to know? Hopefully no one thinks they have that kind of knowledge, but you humble yourself by knowing like how many factors and conditions are outside of my control. I know we've got factors inside our control. I'm just saying there's a world of them outside our control. And if, again, 2020 and a global pandemic hasn't taught you, there are things that are outside of your control. I'm not sure we're going to learn that lesson any other way. If government requirements, if uh, the economy doesn't teach us in some ways, there are things beyond what I can wake up and, and affect and, and make happen. If and here's the biggie, if other people's behavior doesn't tell you, like, do you really think you know all the conditions, all the factors of everybody's behavior? And do you really think you can control all that, guaranteeing your success? As if, like, you've got, you've got your hands on that steering wheel and you control it all. And you know everything, every hypothetical scenario. I mean, it really, do we think we know? There are a million things out of our control. There are a trillion things in God's control. This year has been so humbling as a pastor because you feel like you're at it long enough and you, you feel like you know factors and conditions pretty well. 
And then the beginning of March starts rolling. And I was talking with a couple of pastors this week. And when you ask a pastor, most pastors right now, like, how's, how's your church doing? There's not an easy answer. Like, I, I would think if you had asked in February or early March, I could tell you, like, well, this, this, and this. These are the conditions. These are factors. I can tell you kind of exactly where we are and what we're doing right now. And most every pastor I know right now is going, ah, ah I guess, good. I guess, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, we're trying. We're working hard. I, I, I think of hearing Champ talk about just a moment ago our we're going to be sharing at members meeting in a couple of days, like our, our plans for 2021, but all of our plans now come with, well, this is what we think is going to be the case. Here's what we'd like to do. Here's what we're going to try. Here's what we hope. Here's what we have an idea, but we just don't know. And I need to hear verses like this because I am, and if you know me, you know, I'm an analytical person. I love to read circumstances. I think it's really helpful for leaders to anticipate things around the corner. I, I don't like reckless. As a matter of fact, if you talk to any staff member, I think they would say one thing that comes up in their discussions, maybe in front of my face, sometimes behind my back, would be Curtis does not like surprises. Curtis does not like surprises. And it's, it's very true. I like to plan. I like to coordinate. I like to get the sequence just right. I like to make schedules. By the way, I spent a lot of time with my family this week, so I realize where I get that from. I get it very, very honestly. So it's like seeing mirror reflections of like, oh, this is, oh, this is what that looks like to other people. Okay. And you know, Proverbs tells you that kind of planning and preparing is really, really important. That's a sermon for another day. It's not today, but like it, it's important that if you've got responsibility for something, you plan and look ahead. And you try to anticipate risk factors. It's important. And it's helpful. And so if that's you, you're like me in trying to do that sort of thing, we need you. The world needs more people like us. So let me just say that. So all that's good, yeah, but Scripture is trying to assess. Like there's another side of that in my heart and maybe in yours where... We overestimate what we can plan and think ahead. We overanticipate the, or we overestimate the, the number of factors and conditions. And there's an infinite number that are out of our control. So what does humility look like in that? Another question for you, it's kind of related. Do I think I can guarantee success? Not just with my knowledge, but also with my will. So guys, you're getting pumped with this message that you have the ability, like you have it all under your control. You can do this. And yet I want to ask the question, do you really think you can guarantee success with just your will and your ability to shape and control everything in your path? So you're going to be told and educated that that's the truth. You just say you have what it takes. You can get there and do that. Will, will raw determination and tenacity be enough to direct everything in your life to go the way you want it to go? Well, you say, of course not. I know I'm not in control of everything, but, but here's the tell on this, right? Here's the tell. When things start spinning out of your control, I wonder what your family members and friends would say you're like when that happens. 
So you can kind of acknowledge like, yeah, I, I know I'm not in control of everything, but when it really starts to spin out of your control, are you a basket case? Are you miserable? Do you just like clutch everything? And please don't get me wrong. I'm all for a, a strong will and ability. I'm all for determination and tenacity and steadfastness and endurance and patience and grit. And if that's you, the world needs more people like you. There's nothing wrong with that. Except when you overestimate your ability to control and shape a month from now, a year from now. And you begin to think, I got this, I got this. Here's what I'm going to do for this, and here's what I'm going to do next, and here's what I'm going to do next, and it's up to me, and I'll get it done. So James is like making us look inside what's, what's going on in our heart. Makes you evaluate what is your perspective on what happens next in your life. What's it going to look like? James says, let's be careful here. You don't know what tomorrow brings. Verse 14, can we keep reading? Kind of in the middle of the verse is this question, what is your life? And James answers the question, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So I don't know what your perspective is on how short life is, but James is telling you, you, you better have the perspective. It's pretty short. This earthly life is pretty short. I don't know if you, when it turns, you know, really cold here in a little bit and you go out and you breathe and you see, you know, your breath and how long does that last? If it lasts a really long time, it's what, seconds? That's if it's a long time. When the fog is like kind of making everything hard to see and that sort of thing, how long does that fog last? Maybe a couple hours and then it gets burned up and the day goes on and you don't even remember it. How long does that last? So what it's saying is even when it's long, it's relatively short, right? And I think that I, I don't know how many funerals I've done. I've done funerals of, you know, people in their, I think over 100, you know, people in their 90s, 80s. Like that's a long time and yet it still seems kind of short in comparison to the whole universe and how, how long the earth's made. I mean, it just seems rather short. Much less when someone's in one decade of their life or two decades of their life, how short. When you reach the fourth or fifth decade of your life, you begin to realize, man, things are moving fast. There's not as much time as I'd like, not as much time as I want. And that begins to make you realize we don't have forever. Days count, moments count, which doesn't mean, so please don't hear me like, because life is short, you know, you better, you know, this week take care of everything on your bucket list. I mean, that's not, that's not it. I mean, you can't, you can't live life just in that kind of fury, but it does mean you have a focus on your days. And some of you have been given kind of an early sign of that. I mean, there are those in our congregation that had a brain tumor at an early age or a, a cancer scare at an early age or a blood clot at an early age. I mean, that gets your attention really quick. And James would say, no, no, for all of us, I mean, we, we don't have to have that to know life is so, so short and there, there are no guarantees and your time is not an unlimited commodity. Your time with your friends, your time with your neighbors, your time with your spouse, your time with your kids, your time with your grandkids, with your nieces, with your nephews. This is not an unlimited commodity. So what, how are we using this? How are we redeeming our time? How are we loving God, loving our neighbor, fulfilling our calling? 
How are we spreading a message of hope? How are we being available for what's needed? I, I don't know what your perspective is on what you think is going to happen tomorrow. I don't know how long you think you'll live, how many days you think are at your disposal to kind of do whatever you want to. But man, I'm hoping, I'm hoping today there's just kind of a renewed sense of like, we got to get serious about our walk with the Lord. That certainly is what's going to matter far beyond this short earthly life. There's an alternative to living in a proud, arrogant way that says, I'll do what I want to tomorrow, a week from now, I'll spend, I'll make money, I'll do whatever I want to. And that is this in verse 15. Here's the alternative. And, and the word starts like, instead. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. Do you hear that? I, I really don't care whether you remember my message today, I really do care whether we are changed by this. If the Lord wills, we will live. I mean, how, how basic is that? If, we, if the Lord wills, we'll, we'll all walk out of here in a few minutes. And if the Lord wills, we'll all see tomorrow. I, I do want you to make sure, I, I don't want you to misread that verse. So I don't think James is calling on us to pick up some sort of spiritual, magical cliche that in the long run turns out to be meaningless. So I don't know that James is telling you, just like we kind of do the knock on wood, like, yeah, you better, better add this one. You better say, if the Lord wills or Lord willing or God willing, you better throw that into everything you ever say as if some magic words somehow impresses God. God isn't impressed or pacified by your superstition or by mine. I don't think he's adding some magic words for you, your vocabulary. I, I don't think that's what's going on here. It isn't a game. God's not, God's not playing games. I, I also, as we say, like, okay, instead you ought to be saying if the Lord wills. I don't think that means like living a resigned, passive life as if God is just, he's kind of controlling us like with his controller and he's pressing A and B and up and down and just kind of directing so many things in our life that we're just like we're just like people in a video game. We don't have you know we don't we don't have any control. It is what it is. That's a, you know no no meaning. I, God's going to do what He's going to do. I don't you know if the Lord wills. That's what the Bible says. I don't I, I don't know. I, I I just like every bit of Scripture is going in a different direction than it being like you living on autopilot, pretending you don't have choices, you don't make decisions, you can't make plans. As if like, well, I can try, but it doesn't matter because if the Lord wills, that's not, that's not the tone. So please don't get that. I want you to get this tone. I want you to get this, all right? If the Lord wills means if the Lord who is my shepherd, who leads me to green pastures and beside the still waters and restores my soul, if he wills, then I guess this is what will happen. If the Lord who directs my path and orders my steps and knows every bit of the past and the future, like if the Lord wills, if the Lord who, when I am out of strength, renews my strength, if the Lord wills, if the Lord who is my light and my salvation, if he wills, if the Lord who is the one who came to rescue and to save me, if he wills, it's a loaded phrase, isn't it? 
too important for magic words. But really important for us to know, okay, if my life is in his hands, and it's personal, then I can say, Lord, whatever you want, your will be done. Is the Lord that meaningful to you? Because churches, churches are filled, let's, let's face it, churches are filled by people like us who sometimes can go through motions and it'd be all kind of generic and we can do God talk all we want, but it's not so personal. But today, could it be? Could it be more personal to you? The Lord who went to a cross for you, if he wills? Could it be that personal, the Lord who rose from the dead? Could it be that personal to you, the Lord that will never leave you or forsake you? If he wills. That's a new way of thinking. And, and, and to do that, you have to be able to trust the Lord. This is why this isn't some sort of, again, God who's playing games with a controller going, I'm going to do that to him. I'm going to do that to him. I'm going to get him with that. I'm going to get him with that. And then they're going to see that I'm really the one. I mean, this is, you've got to know this is our heavenly father who's a good, good father who loves to give good gifts to his children. And then when you have that mindset, you can say, okay, if the Lord wills. So what do we do about this? I, how do we apply? I wish I could like have like nice, tight, memorable sayings here, but this is, uh, this is just where the Lord's been teaching me the last few weeks. So can I just give you four ways to apply this and maybe this is helpful and, and then we'll be done. Um, and these are all kind of action words. So I would encourage you, I'm encouraging myself to appreciate and acknowledge, if I'm putting this into, like, into practice in my life, appreciate and acknowledge how finite your earthly life is. And I say earthly because eternity is a long, long, that's forever, right? So, but I'm saying this life is not. And there's something about, like, finite, something about knowing, okay, this is limited. This has boundaries. This has a number of days and then, then I, I'll go to the grave and unless the Lord comes back beforehand. We have limits. We aren't God. We're not even close to God. So if God has me here, then what's, what's up with that? Like, what does God want to do with that? What God wants to do is you to receive that day as a day of grace and with gratitude going, there must be something on your darkest day. Like the Lord has numbered your day. So on your darkest day, just know like you're here for a reason. There are, these days are a gift. So how are you going to use it? How are you going to use today? How are you going to use tomorrow? It's limited, so appreciate and acknowledge that. And then I, I think a, kind of building on that, like ask the Lord to order your steps. So here, here's the facts. Like the facts are even with 2020 and even with the last week where I had to cancel every single appointment on my, on my schedule, I've got appointments this coming week. So it's not as if I can't, like, I, I have to. I have to make plans to meet with so-and-so. We got the members meeting on Wednesday. I mean, there's, there's plans. There are things that, as of now, Sunday, whatever time it is, I, I know this is what we've got and this is what I'm planning on doing. But I'm asking the Lord in this. Like, you order my steps. I'm going to make my plan. And it says in Proverbs 16:9, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord is who establishes the steps. Or Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Or Psalm 37, 23, the steps 
of a man are ordered, established by the Lord. Ask the Lord to order your steps. And what you do when you do that is you humble yourself because if I think I can take care of it on my own, I don't ask for help. But when I say, God, I have made my plans. This is what the week of November 15th looks like and the Lord, you've got to order my steps. Another thing that I'm learning to do is to change how I talk. And again, there's nothing magical about words, but there, there is something out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So like what's here comes out. I just want to like begin to pull back a little bit if I am presumptuous about what I'm going to do. I, want, I don't want to just throw magic phrases in there, but I do want to say more often than I have been. Like, well, my plan is, I'm not trying to sound pious or religious or like a Pharisee or super spiritual throwing Lord willing every, you know, every fourth word in a sentence. Like, I, I don't have time for that. But I do want to acknowledge in my heart, like, I'm not in control. So here's my plan. Here's what our plans are for the holidays. Here's what I'd like to see with my family's life. Here's what I'd like to see. We, we, we want to do this. We're planning on this. We've, we've scheduled this. But there's a humility that ought to come in to, to, to make us know, like, regularly voicing, I'm not in, I'm not in total control here. I don't know everything. So Sometimes that's going to sound like Lord willing or God willing or if the Lord wills. And sometimes that's just going to sound like we're for right now. Or we're planning on this. But could there be a way where you talk differently that just again reminds your, I don't know, your head and your heart, like I'm not in control. And then last is maybe the hardest to receive adjustments to your schedule with humility receive adjustments to your schedule with humility. Again, not with terror from God as if like, God, you wreck my plans again. You know, it's not, ah, that's, we have a good, too good of a father to kind of go to some of those places. But I, I do think like humbly, and I felt like, okay, Lord, I, because I had written some of these down uh, before my nephew passed away and and this week is just kind of receiving another adjustment after another adjustment, even to the point of like getting back to Delaware. I'm waiting for my flight uh, late Friday night and it gets canceled. And like, oh, I guess we'll be flying Saturday morning and receiving adjustments with humility. It's not easy. It's, it's much easier for me to be impatient. But when will we learn that? All that, none of, none of what I've encourage you to do can you do if you don't have trust in a good good father who's personal and real and ready to meet you so i guess what i'd like to do is i can i pray to our heavenly father who cares about each person each story you've heard some of mine but he cares about yours deeply and ask him to give you exactly what you need to apply this to your own life father thank you for your help in Thank you for your word, and thank you, even as in a moment we'll sing, we do fall down in humility. We lay our crowns before the one who is holy, holy, holy. And if you do good work in humbling us so that we are not filled with arrogance, if you take some college students and some high school students and you change their heart about the future. If you take someone in middle age who has 
got their plans for retirement and you soften them and humble them. Lord, I, I just know there's an infinite amount of possibilities that you could do good work here today. So do it all for Jesus' sake. I pray in his name. Amen.